The Midday Report. I'm Mandy Wiener. Keep listening as we round up the key stories affecting your world with interviews with newsmakers, in-depth analysis and eyewitness news reporters on the ground. The Midday Report. So the Hawks have arrested a 55-year-old suspect in Paul. And this is interesting because he's an international fugitive. It was established that he is a fugitive from justice being sought by the Namibian authorities to stand trial for racketeering and fraud, corruption and money laundering. We'll speak to the police in a minute about this. But the reason it's interesting is because last week the Hawks also arrested a Rwandan national accused of being involved in the 1994 genocide in Rwanda. Where did they arrest him? In Paul. So what's happening in Paul, guys? Residents of Paul. Is this where international fugitives are, are hanging out? Um, it used to be Bedford View, right? Uh, but now it very much looks like it is Paul. Uh, Fulgens Kayishima appearing before the Cape Town Court today, Magistrate's Court today. He was arrested last week following 22 years on the run. Uh, he was one of the last fugitives sought for uh, his role in the 1994 Rwanda genocide. A former Rwandan police inspector he allegedly took part in. One of the genocide's bloodiest episodes in which more than 2,000 Tutsis who had sought shelter in a church were killed. Well, let's speak uh, to uh, EWN reporter right now who's been following this story. And Tutuzelo, good afternoon to you. Thank you very much for your time. Uh, what happened in court today? Um, good afternoon, Mandy. So, um, Fulgence Kaishem uh, appeared briefly at the Cape Town Magistrates Court today, and um, his case was postponed for next week, Friday, for the state to add more charges. It says that uh, it received yesterday two files from the South African Police Service with more evidence against um uh, you know, Fulgence Kaishema, and that they need time to go through this and add more charges. And over the weekend, they will um, forward the the charge sheet, the comprehensive charge sheet, to the defense team for for the defense team to look at it. And then when they come back on Friday next week um, to respond to those charges, whether or not he will apply for bail, we will only find out on that day. Uh, but the state has indicated that it. It will oppose bail if he intends on applying for bail. Um, he's the most wanted remaining fugitives of the Rwandan genocide. Um, he's accused of ordering the killing of 2,000 people hiding inside a church. However, speaking to us outside the court, um, his family members saying that this is a case of mistaken identity. He wouldn't have been able to order um, the killing of these people because he was at the bottom of the food chain, if if you want to call it, of you know of the police system that was um, uh, responsible for for, for all those uh, atrocities at the time. Um, however, the state has indicated, like I said, it will add more charges. And Western Cape NPA spokesperson Eric Dabazalila also spoke to us outside court. He says the charges against Kaishema currently only relates to crimes he allegedly committed in South Africa. No, I don't want to go to that. At this stage, the charges were charging him with the five are related to fraud and transaction of the Immigration Act. Yeah? But then it will depend on what comes out over this past week. As the prosecutor is going to be dealing with the new charges, adding to the charge sheet, then it will come out what comes out of those two ledger arch files. 
So, Ntutuzilu, I want to make sure I understand this. So his family are saying that he is not actually Fulgen's Kayashema, or they're saying that he is Fulgen's Kayashema, but he didn't, uh, he wasn't behind these murders. They're saying that he is Fulgen's Kaishema and that he wasn't behind these murders. Um, the claim is that there is another Kaishema, um, Clement, I, th- I believe uh, um, the spokesperson of the family said um, to us at the time that uh, I think he was the... Um, the- the premier or the mayor of a region there um and he's he's been arrested already he's serving time in mali so this was um they claiming that it's a it's it's a case of mistaken identity he's not the person that they are looking for um the person that you know uh, they claim to be looking for is the one hmm. that's already serving time in mali so we don't know what which one is which uh we'll only find out um it's as as the as the um case uh, or the trial uh continues reporter mm. thank you very much uh, covering the story today uh fulgen's kayeshema appearing in court in cape town today that matter being postponed. Uh, according to officials, he has been on the run for 22 years. Uh, he is wanted for the murder of more than 2,000 people in the Rwandan genocide. His family saying it's a case of mistaken identity. He was arrested in Paul last week. And just to give you an update on that other story I was talking about. So the Hawks have put out a statement saying a 55-year-old suspect also appearing in court in the Paul Magistrates Court today following a joint operation by the Hawk Serious Commercial Crime Investigation Unit and Interpol. He was arrested for charges of racketeering, fraud, corruption and money laundering under an Interpol red notice. And it's understood that uh, the complainants uh, mandated the services of the suspect unbeknownst to them that the suspect was suspended from practicing as an attorney in 2016 and struck off the role. Uh, he is wanted by the Namibian authorities for racketeering and fraud and corruption and money laundering. So this individual also arrested in Paul. not sure what it is. I don't want to give Paul a bad rep. But what we are seeing here is a, a number of arrests being made on Interpol red notices. And this has always been an issue. The fact that our authorities don't necessarily act swiftly enough. What they've shown in the past couple of weeks is that they are acting swiftly. What are your thoughts on that? The Midday Report. The Health Minister, Joe Parkler, today announcing a new health ombudsman in South Africa. It's Professor Tawile Mokwena, who is the new health uh, ombud. Uh, he replaces Professor Malakapuru Makhoba, who has now completed his seven-year term. Uh, Mokwena is a medical graduate. He's from the University of KZN. He also has a degree from Oxford University. He recently retired as a professor as well. Let's speak now to Nokokanyam Tambo, EWN reporter who's following this briefing. Nokokanya, good afternoon to you. What has the health minister said about the new health ombud? Good afternoon, Mandy. So in essence, the health minister, Joe Parker, seems quite uh, optimistic that the new ombudsman, Daule Mugwena, will be able to address some of the issues that the healthcare sector across the board has experienced over the years. He believes um, that the massive and the, the massive background and the extensive background and uh, experience that he has within the medical profession uh, will assist in making sure that he's able to identify uh, the red flags in, in in the in the medical system and able to root them out as quickly as possible he does have a difficult seat ahead of him mandy uh, because the healthcare sector at the moment has been described as quite ailing particularly in Gauteng. Um and so both uh, the health minister and 
and the uh, new ombudsman are under no disillusion, Mandy, that the, the job that he's coming into is difficult. But he says, uh, the, the health minister that is, says that uh, because he's inheriting um, an office that's pre-existing and, and an office that uh, has been well kept over the years by, by his predecessor, he believes that it shouldn't be too difficult of a job for someone uh, with the sort of stature that uh, Mugwena has, Nandi. And Nokokania, what do we know about Professor Taole Makwena and what does he bring to the role? So, as you mentioned, Mandy, he comes from a medical background, studied here in here in uh, UK, but in South Africa before then moving to Oxford and then being a fellow at the Royal College of Physicians and Surgeons in Glasgow. Um, he's also a retired professor and academic head of uh, the Department of Surgery. He's been a chief surgeon at the University of Pretoria, as well as, uh, as, well as the uh, massive Steve Beaker Academic Hospital. Um, he also continued to teach and train, as well as super- supervise some of the academics in some of the universities in South Africa and has some uh, extensive research background within uh, a number of medical spheres, including immunology, um, cancer research as well. So he really does come in with quite some experience. In terms of the investigations, because uh, Minister Joe Parker said when he was speaking earlier after the announcement that it's quite important that he also has uh, some background in investigations, particularly he was on the panel for investigations of surgical deaths at the uh, Barra Hospital in Soweto back in the latest 90s, I think it was 96 and 97, as well as being on a panel of inquiry into the discrimination of um, the cardiology department, again at the Chris Hani Barragwanag Hospital. And so, Mandy, I think what the um, health minister, Joe Parker, was saying is that that will come in quite handy because the job of the ombudsman is to deal with a number of complaints Complaints, uh, thousands, in fact, of complaints and investigations into the quality of healthcare mm. in in the sector. So, Mandy, I'll have you listen to the uh, Minister Joe Parker speaking about the sort of um, office that uh, Mugwena inherits and what needs to be done uh, as he takes over. It, the, the issue of the capacity, there are a number of issues which, as Prof. Makhova is uh, living in the office, he has raised with us. So there, there are outstanding matters which we will take further with the new ombud to make sure that uh, uh, that office is, is uh, properly staffed. The issue of uh, which uh, Professor Mahova raised about Houten, so we totally agree with uh, uh, um, the Professor Mahova in terms of his diagnosis of the issues there. And we're dealing with them together with the MSC and the Premier. My thanks to Nukukani Tambo, EWN reporter, for bringing us uh, that report. The Health Minister, Joe Parkler, announcing the new health ombudsman, Professor Tawile Mukwena. The Midday Report. In Pretoria, disgraced former Tswani mayor, he was mayor for like a week, Dr. Murunwa Makwarela back in court today. He's filing an application to have some of his bail conditions relaxed. Remember, uh, he's been charged two counts of fraud. One relates to him not disclosing his insolvency status. The other one relates to the forgery, where he tried to pretend that he wasn't insolvent anymore. Tabiso Goba, EWN reporter in court today. Tabiso, good afternoon to you. What uh, does Dr. Murunwa Makwarela want the court? to relax.
Good afternoon, Nandi. So um, there are actually two bail conditions that he wants um, the courts to, to amend or uh, relax, uh, if you want to use that word. Um, so the first one is that uh, we know that he's not allowed to leave the Houghton province without notifying the investigating officer 48 hours uh, prior to him leaving. So um, his lawyer, Advocate Justice Nisi, has argued in court that um, sometimes the the investigating officer does not respond timely. Um, so, um, based on his bail conditions, he has to email the law. Uh, he has to email the investigating officer. So they have complained that uh, the investigating officer has not uh, does not always respond on time. Um, so that means Maguarela cannot travel, but he needs to travel because, uh, as we, we do know, that Maguarela is no longer a member of COPE and is no longer, um, you know, involved in politics. So he is now just, um, you know, a businessman. We know he has a PhD in, um, in environmental health. So he says, you know, he does get some consultancy work that is outside the province, but because of his bail conditions, he cannot travel. But also, Mendy, um, Macquarella is also an ordained pastor. Um, and um, so some of his church work also um, needs for him to travel outside um, outside the province. So he said that, you know, um, these bail conditions have uh, restricted him uh, from traveling. Um, but based on the pastor part, uh, Mandy, you know, Advocate Justice Nisi um, talked um, at length about that, about uh, Maguarela's duty as a pastor and a religious leader in his community. And this is what he had to say. As pointed out above, I respectfully submit that there is no likelihood that I will interfere with the evidence because it has already been obtained by the state and it has been furnished to my legal team. 64D, Jeopardy to Functioning of Criminal Justice System or Bail System. I submit that it is in the interest of justice that my bail conditions be amended and there is absolutely no evidence that there is likelihood that I will jeopardize the functioning of the criminal justice system. That is the lawyer for Morunwa Makorela, Dr. Morunwa Makorela. Remember him? He used to be the Twani mayor for a few days. He's in court uh, filing that application to have some of his bail conditions relaxed. The Midday Report. The BRICS Foreign Affairs Minister meeting continuing in Cape Town. It is a two-day meeting ahead of the big BRICS summit, which we are going to be uh, seeing in August, which may or may not happen in South Africa. Some reports suggesting it could move from South Africa. The ANC saying it's not going to move from South Africa. And very much the conversation being overshadowed by this, uh, this issue around Vladimir Putin and if South Africa is going to execute that arrest warrant uh, for Vladimir Putin on uh, war crimes, the International Criminal Court. We do have an obligation to execute it, but we don't know how that's going to play out. Lindsay Dentlinger, EWN reporter, following this for us. Lindsay, uh, it is day two of the Foreign Affairs Minister meeting uh, in Cape Town, but uh, are they getting anything done aside from this issue of Vladimir Putin? Well, good afternoon, Mandy. Well, in fact, um, Minister Naledi Pandor said last night that they had not 
discuss this issue of uh, Vladimir Putin at all, as much as uh, that is the question on the minds of um, a lot of the international media who are here. Um, Milady Panda really putting her foot down, saying this is not why they are here. Government is uh, looking at those legal options that uh, we know about, uh, and it will be up to President Cyril Ramaphosa to uh, give the final word on what exactly will be done uh, on that matter. And their focus really here, Mandy, is they saying they need to shift the world order, that the developed world have forgotten their pledges, um, have, are no longer committing their resources to helping uh, developing nations uh, and um, to stick to the UN Sustainable Development Goal targets for 2030 to eradicate poverty. And their mission here is to see how they can expand BRICS, strengthen BRICS, uh, and really um, create a shift. Uh, in the world order um, that this grouping of nations representing uh, an extremely large continent um, and that uh, uh, several, um, the African continent and the other the nations that together they represent um, a large portion of the world and that they need to take care of the issues that impact uh, these nations. So if they're not discussing this issue of Vladimir Putin, then, then I imagine they're discussing things around trade relations and, and um, other, other kind of uh, issues that impact them as, uh, as part of the BRICS uh, member states. What are some of those issues that have come up? We are not getting to hear much of uh, what they call the Friends of BRICS, which is what today's gathering is about. There are about uh, a dozen, Mandy, um, other nations who do not belong to the BRICS grouping, but are really knocking on the door, wanting to be let in. And so a lot of um, what was had been happening here in the run-up to these last two days, the Sherpas, as they are called, the special envoys from the various countries, they're looking at ways as to how to expand this block, how to include other nations. There's a delegation here from from Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates, and several of them are also joining virtually today, uh, looking at how they will become more inclusive, how to make this block, this organization uh, more inclusive, and to look at uh, what are the most pressing um, needs that are of these nations. Naledi mm. Pandal, without naming, but we could obviously infer what she was saying in her opening remarks this morning um, to these, what is known as the Friends of Bricks, saying that uh, the world could not allow all the attention uh, on a war in a certain mm. part of the world to overshadow <laughs> commitments and resources um, to other poorer nations of the world. Interesting. Lindsay, thank you very much. Uh, Lindsay Dentlinger, EWN reporter, having a look at that meeting today, a two-day meeting, uh, BRICS foreign affairs ministers, so that, of course, uh, is foreign affairs ministers from Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa, plus the friends of BRICS, as Lindsay spoke about. The Midday Report. Good afternoon, Mandy and team. Um, unfortunately, I couldn't swallow this statement by the listener who said these are black people doing it to black people. Who must black people do this to? Not that it's okay for this to be done to any person, but I think we need to do away with this kind of thinking. 29 years well into democracy, and we still have this mindset of uh, blacks and whites and you know um, all other uh, nations. We really need to come together as uh, South Africans, uh, unify for the good and better of um, South Africa. Thank you. Well, let's get straight.
into issue and pick up on what happened in Soweto last night. The police saying that they are investigating a case of attempted murder and malicious damage to property following a fight between minibus taxi drivers and drivers believed to be e-hailers. So it's believed they belong to Uber and to Bolt. Uh, it's been reported that the minibus taxi drivers attacked the e-hailing drivers. Listen, in the police statement, there's lots of alleged and reported because obviously the, the facts are still in dispute, it seems. Three vehicles were torched. The owners were assaulted. One of them was shot, according to the police. All three victims were taken to a local hospital. Four other vehicles were damaged as well. The police saying at this stage they cannot confirm the identity of the victims and whether they are indeed e-hailing drivers pending an investigation. So that's what the police statement says. Uh, let's have a listen to Colonel Dimakatso Nevokulwe saying police are investigating the case of attempted murder and malicious damage to property. Colonel Dimakatso Nevokulwe. The police are investigating a case of attempted murder and malicious damage to property following a fight between minibus taxi drivers and few drivers believed to be e-healers at Maponya Mall. It is reported that on the evening of the 1st of June 2023, the minibus taxi drivers attacked the alleged e-healing drivers. Three vehicles were tossed and the owners were assaulted and one of them shot. All three victims were taken to a local hospital. Four more vehicles were also damaged. At this stage, the police cannot confirm the identity of the victims and whether they are indeed e-healing drivers pending an investigation. No suspects are arrested as yet. The police continue to maintain a presence in that area to ensure stability and safety for the commuters. So that's the police and what the police are saying. We've also had response from the Gauteng MEC of Transport. Uh, the spokesperson for the Gauteng department saying the MEC has strongly condemned these attacks. Have a listen. MEC Dialetta Bella strongly condemns these senseless attacks on individuals and damages to people's properties and particular vehicles and says that these barbaric acts are unacceptable and must be dealt harshly. This comes against a backdrop where strides have been made to root out violence in the public transport sector following the 2019 Houghton Taxi Summit, in line with the recommendations of the Taxi Violence Commission, where it would have been said that alternative dispute uh, resolution mechanisms be found to actually put government at the center and ensure that uh, there is stability and harmony in the in the public sector industry. We wish well, uh, we wish those who are injured a speedy recovery and call on law enforcement officials to work around the clock to apprehend those who were involved in this barbaric act. That is the spokesperson for the Gauteng Transport Department. Let's speak now to Vatuka Mbalengwa, who's an e-hailing services spokesperson. Vatuka, good afternoon to you. Thank you for your time. Uh, just for clarity, the police saying in their statement that they cannot confirm whether those who were targeted in this attack last night are in fact e-hailing drivers. As far as you're concerned, are they e-hailing drivers? Um, yes, I can confirm that some are e-hailing drivers, but I, I have not met all the, the, the victims or, 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 or all the owners of the vehicles that were burnt, and I can't confirm that they are all e-hailing participants. But primarily, I think this extends as, a, as an attack on e-hailing, and, and, and that's, the, that's the elephant in the room. Mandy, um, mm. this is uh, not an old issue. It's not a new issue. It's a very old issue. And really, there's only one conversation to be had, and when is government going to regulate?
when is government going to put controls into industry to ensure that mm. no participant is feeling undermined? Before you know, we... we can have great interventions yeah. and meetings, ministers and departments can come. But this has been happening for years. So, so before we get into the, the fundamental issues here, Batuka, it is very much a, a broad, long-standing uh, conversation that, that needs to be had. On this one particular issue that we've now seen happening last night, do, do we know why there's suddenly been a, a renewed escalation? Was there a catalyst? Do we know what caused this? So there's, with, within e-hailing, there is no influx control. And you're finding far too many vehicles being added onto the platform which then means there are too many cars sitting idle, waiting for requests. So the growth of industry or the growth of assets you put into industry is not reflective of the demand, which then results in, in, in prices being reduced so more people can come into industry. And then those prices put them put us in direct competition with the traditional minibus taxi industry. So you look at a local taxi in Toretto, which costs anything between 10 to 15 rand, so if four people are in it, that's 60 rand. But on an e-hailing platform, for a trip of the same distance within under five kilometers, four people can end up paying 30 mm. rand or less. All right? So yep. this, up until government steps in, we're just going to keep having conversations. Mm. We're going to keep explaining why more and more people are being killed. And, and we just need to be to hold government uh, accountable. You know, they, they supply the petrol. They supply the bullets that were used at Maponia yesterday. Vatuka, you speak about regulation and the need for regulation in the e-hailing industry. What does that regulation look like and what is the, the reluctance or the resistance that, that you're seeing from government in terms of regulating? So regulation is not a new concept. Uh, we look at regulation in this, in, in, in this country, mining, telecom. So big industry, which where, where big capital plays, is regulated. Now, the reluctance to regulate e-hailing is because then that protection must be advanced to the ordinary man who's bought a vehicle to try and make a living, right? And, then, and, and typically, typically, private sector has long exploited this individual. So then the appetite to regulate, to protect these individuals is not coming to the forefront, and I don't think the importance of it is understood. What regulation should do, it should ensure that a healthy transportation uh, eco-mix emerges where we can complement each other, whether e-hailing road is priced properly and it's not priced to undermine it. Not even the participants in e-hailing are happy with the current pricing and feel they're understanding their services. And, and you mm. know, right now the, the dialogue is going to say e-hailing metered taxis or taxis versus e-hailing. That's not the case at all. Right. You know, at e-hailing, we can't even set our own prices. Batuka, thank you very much. Uh, an important conversation that needs to be continued and needs to be had. Batuka Mbalengwa, e-hailing services spokesperson. The Midday Report. Well, let's get a quick update uh, from Parliament on what's been happening with the Section 194 inquiry into the suspended public protector, Busisiwe Mkwebane. Uh, we know that there's been delays. Uh, it is under pressure to finish the work that needs to be done. Uh, so let's speak to Babalo Ndenze, EWN reporter. Babalo, good afternoon to you. What is the status of this inquiry? Good afternoon, Mandy. Um, the inquiry is going to move ahead with the hearings from next week, Monday. Um, that's the, the, the basically what was transpired today at the meeting. So the committee resolved that they continued the hearings with Mkwebane back on the witness stand on Monday, now that her legal issues have been resolved, because now she has new lawyers, um, but the senior counsel will remain, Advocate Stalin Bofu, 
but no longer Sianleho attorneys who were representing it previously. But the committee moving with urgency now, Mandy, they're saying that they, they won't be receiving any more extra days or money to complete its work. And we know Speaker Nusibema Pisangagula has been quite clear on the need for this committee to conclude its work and, you know, submit some kind of report to the National Assembly. Um, so today, members basically agreeing that they need to move forward. Kwebani um, not present at today's meeting. Um, it was just members getting a briefing from um, Fatima Ibrahim, the legal, rep- the legal assistant in the committee. So, Mandy, this is basically 22 days left, which is about the end, I think, the 28th of July. They should be done with, with, with this process. Babala, how much is this issue of the alleged uh, extortion and apparent attempt to uh, get a bribe out of Busisiwe Mkwabane that has been reported, uh, is that affecting the uh, the inquiry at all? No, no, that's not affecting the inquiry, but it was raised at the meeting and it was addressed by a couple of members. Chairperson Richard Janke says, you know, if anyone has any, is aggrieved by this process and has any allegations of corruption, you know, or criminality, they know exactly where to present those allegations. They can, you know, go to the police or the various law enforcement agencies. Um, another committee member, Tolangola, saying that, you know, they should not be defocused by what he called gossip. And he says the committee should rebuke these fictitious articles that were published um, to quote him. So the matter did get a few, um, it did get addressed by a few members, but the committee doesn't seem to be taking it too seriously, Mandy, and they will be moving ahead with their work. Babalo, thank you very much. Babalo and Denze, EWN reporter in Parliament, giving us an update there. Can you believe this is still going on? It's supposed to be finished in 22 days. It's cost millions, all sorts of allegations flying around as well. An update there on the Section 194 inquiry into Busisiwe Mkwebane's fitness to hold office. The Midday Report. That's a wrap of the day's news. Don't forget you can catch the full Midday Report live on 702 and Cape Talk via our streams on YouTube and our website 702.co.za and capetalk.co.za. Keep checking in for updates from my colleagues at Eyewitness News. Till the next time, I'm Mandy Wiener. The Midday Report.